to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. The big news is the baby Rhino is heading back to Bristol next term. We give our thoughts on Ellis Genge turning up in Bear Country. Well, it was the second week without a game as the Bears' trip to Paris was postponed due to COVID. We discussed the implications of these two missed European Champions Cup games. And we also look forward to the big Boxing Day game at the game against the undefeated Tigers. As well as our thoughts, we speak to the Rolling Wall podcast to get an inside track on Leicester's form, the loss of their captain and the rumblings from last season's scrum gate. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles, Pete and the Christmas tree for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Gentlemen, great to see you. Last podcast before Christmas. Lee, thanks for hosting once more. You're welcome. Hi, fellas. How are we all doing? I, I, I think the first question I need to ask is, you're, mm. you're a proud Bristolian and you're wearing a blue hoodie that says Yorkshire. I am too. Why, why are you wearing a Yorkshire hoodie? Well, before the, the listeners think that I'm a complete racist, uh, I do have to say that I got this at the cricket, the England-India test, um, because we got there and it absolutely started chucking down with rain, as right. it does. So, and you'll also realise that this is extra, extra large because it was the only one they had in his shop. <laughs> so it was either buy this or get soaked. So, uh, so yeah, actually, it's a collector's item now because uh, Nike pulled out, haven't they? So a uh, big Nike tick across the top. Yeah, is no more. Very nice. Looks very, very, very comfy. That does. And uh, Pete, uh, how are you? I hear you've been uh, you've been in the hot tub this week. I have, yes. Well, you know, it's uh, it's been quite cold. Uh, got a bit of time off. Broke up from school. I've got a sore knee. I don't think I mentioned that before. <laughs> and the only, and the only, uh, in the absence of any knee surgeons getting in touch, I thought the best thing to do would be to uh, to soothe it in the hot tub. Uh, so yeah, I've done a bit of hot tub action. Um, had to get out quite quick the other day because a load of builders went off some scaffolding in the house next door. <laughs> they started looking down at me, and uh, I think they got they got the wrong impression of me. Yeah, or, or you're a bit embarrassed. Do you have to blame the I've got to say, boys, I'm not lying, and you can you can corroborate this from other members of my household. But I did go in in my red speedos uh, the other day. Uh, it's it's the, they're, they're perfect for hot tubbing. You know, you get you get all over body heat and everything. Right. Okay. Well, sorry about that, listeners. If anybody's having their breakfast while uh, <laughs> listening to the show, and Miles, how are you, fellow? Are you in the festive mood? Uh, well, I've still got one more day's work, so I'd love to be. But uh, yeah, one more day's work. Christmas tree, as you know, went up. Played far too much football with the kids today, and um, yeah, getting that presents all wrapped, etc. And then at the same time, trying to sell our podcast to uh, patients at work. <laughs> oh, what are they unconscious at the time? Or... Nearly were, right? <laughs> yeah. just, just about to go under. And Tree, great to see you. You're looking fantastic there. In fact, in fact I think the lights are sparkling a bit more than uh, than they usually have. So he's, uh, he's getting he's getting to his big moment in a while. He's looking to peak. Yeah. Absolutely right. So the big news in Bear Country is the rumours about Ellis Genge were true, oh. and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to get the view of uh, the Leicester side of things. So. Uh, we won't just talk about videos at the moment. We'll come on to that. But uh, let me come to you first, Lee. Um, what was your thoughts then when you saw the, the news confirmed that Ellis was coming home? I was surprised, actually, Tom, because, uh, I mean, we all knew that he was going to return at some point. I mean, he, you know, he was on 
he was on live TV, wasn't he, at one point saying like he's still his love for Bristol. But it was the the timing of it. I wasn't expecting him to come come back quite so soon. But um I mean obviously he's a player we desperately do need and um he's gonna add a lot of firepower to our front row, which which we we are pretty dire straits with at the moment and uh, and he's an old West boy to boot. So happy days all round. Absolutely. How about you, Miles? I mean, the fact that he was or is Leicester captain, um, does, did that surprise you? And, and we've heard from Pat as well that, you know, it's it's more than money. In fact, he's taking a pay cut to come to Bristol. Um, you know, all, all in all with those things, a surprise to you that he's come here for a pay cut? And let's face it, you know, he's, he's in the prime of his career. Uh, yeah, a big surprise. Like like Lou said, the timing was quite surprising. Sort of, you know, nearly sort of mid-season. And he's captain of the team, playing brilliantly, playing for England. Um, and look where Leicester are at the moment. And they're on a massive high with the number of wins they've got this season. And you'd ask any question of a player who says, why are you leaving a team that is doing so well? But clearly, family is massive to him and full respect for coming back to Bristol if, if that's you know, what's, what's important to him. And Pete, your perspective, um, interested particularly in one point, um, we, we, we've got two-thirds of the England front row now. So uh, when they're here, Sinclair and Genge are going to be an awesome pairing to, to, to put out on the pitch. A little bit worried about when they're not here for, I don't know, it could be 10, 12 weeks with Autumn Internationals and Six Nations. Yeah, I think naturally that is an issue. And I think when we discussed this pod or two back, you know, we did make this point that maybe, you know, it, it's not such, such, it is a great signing. There's no doubt about that, but it, it does come with caveats and that's one of them. However, it hasn't affected Leicester this season much. And uh, if he can give us perhaps the, the start or, be part of a, a, a far, fast start like he has with Leicester before he then goes off to the the ultimate uh, to the uh, Six Nations, then then maybe it will be worth it. But I mean, we do, as we know, have slight caveats because we don't feel that Sinclair we've got the money out of Sinclair yet for some of those reasons. He's had more injuries and stuff, and you know if, if Genge you know starts next season strong and he stays injury free and he's 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 you know he's rotated or whatever or, or he's kept fresh. Hopefully we'll get the most out of him, but it is it is it is a worry. But then again, it is one of the pillars, isn't it? That Pat has always said he wants Bristol players playing for England, and uh, or he wants Bristol Bristol born yeah. players playing for mm. Bristol, and Bristol born players playing for Bristol and playing for England. Yeah. It's one of the three pillars. So I think we have to we have to on the on the balance of kind of probabilities or averages, we'd say it's got to be a good thing. Yeah, and you know, he's someone that, that gives a hundred percent as a player, game in, game out. And you can imagine Lee when he pulls that Bristol shirt on for the first time next season. You know, there there, there isn't going to be any any ground given, is it? He's he's yeah. really going to give it all for his hometown club. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he's been doing the same for, for Leicester as well. So I mean, we can't just say it's but, mm. but obviously, when it is your, your hometown club, you're going to give an extra, you know, zero point one percent as well, aren't you? But just quickly, Pete, um, the one thing I would say, I just hope, because the reasons, we all know the reasons or some of the reasons why he left Bristol. And I hope that those issues have, have you know, been put to bed completely. So when we get Genji back, yeah, his sole focus is on rugby. And I, and I think the stuff that he's been doing already in the community, you know, He's he's obviously been based here, hasn't he? So I, I imagine like we do, we will get the proper Genji without any 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 kind of side 
issues. Mm. I just wanted to say that we don't normally record this after the scrum has been on Radio Bristol Scrum. And, and I don't know if you guys listened to it last night, but Mark Tainton was on and kind of intimated that Genji's people, as he said, had actually made contact with the club a long time ago and had, had already intimated that he wanted to come back. Uh, and it was just a case of of the timing of it. So I think going back to that motivation thing, it is it has been a long time in the coming. Yeah. So what talking about are we surprised that he's leading, leaving Leicester now? Well, maybe not quite as much actually when you realise that it's been, and I think it sounds like he, he, had, he had a release clause in his contract that he, he yeah. had the option not to renew. And I think, you know, let's see if he's looked at it and he's thought Leicester are doing great. Um, you know, we may win the, the Premiership, it'd be a great season. But when he looks at Bristol, he, he can see that there's long-term sustainable possibilities at Bristol with the training centre, with the, 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 the way that we play. OK, we're in a bit of a slump at the moment, but I assume he, he thinks that that will come good. So, I, you know, he was at Leicester for six years. That's a, that's a long time. So actually, perhaps it's not quite as surprising that he's leaving. I, I think the surprise, though, was because you remember when we were up at Tigers, and I think the surprise for me was because obviously when his contract was was kind of up for renewal, there was talk about him coming yeah. to Bristol then, wasn't mm-hmm. there? And then there was almost like intimated, there was a bit of a falling out between him and Pat over money. Yeah. And so that was the surprise because mm-hmm. for me, we all know Pat Lamb is, is ruthless. And for me, he, he seems the type of guy that if you upset him, you don't really get another chance. So I think the surprise was that even though we all knew he was coming back at some yeah. point, Maybe not quite as quickly. He, he like had made a few little guard, Genji did mm. make a few little guarded comments, didn't he? About yeah. Pat was sort of had said he backs Bristol players and, and wasn't. But then maybe mm. this is what COVID is the factor has come yeah, in now. I think it's the salary cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah the salary yeah. cap, and I think you know from both point both viewpoints, it, it suits both both parties. And I think there has there. been a yeah, perhaps you know there's been a rethink on both both sides of it, and yeah. and uh, this is the result. Uh, just, I mean, we need to move on because we've got, uh, even though there wasn't a game, got lots of things to talk about. Just for you, Lee, uh, final question. Give me your your, your opinion. Uh, Withy Wood or Noel West, which is the toughest? <laughs> <laughs> no, put me on the spot. I wouldn't know, now, Tony, would I? Because I've been living in Ashton for the last 20 years. For you, I thought I was going to set you up then, Ellis. Then, uh, well, as uh, as Pete said, this is uh, we're recording this on Wednesday evening. I think this is the latest we've ever recorded it in a week, um, for various reasons. Um, and we couldn't do it yesterday because it was the Bears Beyond the Gate annual dinner, our uh, our Christmas shindigs with uh, wives and girlfriends, and uh, very nice it was too. Um, now. We are, I find one of my little pet hates is people that use the phrase literally too often and incorrectly. But for the dinner, we literally picked a restaurant that was a minute's walk away <laughs> from the Duke and Duchess's home. Uh. Here we go. <laughs> and, the they, bush. and they were 15 <laughs> minutes late turning up. Miles, reason being, please. Uh, the Duchess was. Still showering and straightening her hair at like quarter past seven when we were due to meet at half past seven. Uh, I mean, I was, I was that desperate, I started cracking into the beer, which you saw my picture of. And sadly, and I make a, such a hash of it, there was more head than beer. I, I was at the, I was that appalled. It was just dreadful. Uh, uh, I, I've got no excuse apart from the wife. 
Well, well we, we, we did have to crack open the bottle of uh, bubbly before yeah. you arrived, and uh, it, it, it was great. And uh, Pete, you, you, you were the first there, very prompt and uh, on time. Uh, how did you find our little soiree last night? Well, it was, it was, uh, it was very pleasant, wasn't it, boys? I would say we were the first there and the furthest away to walk as well, so I yeah. uh, just need to get that one in. And, and just before I answer your question, Tone, Miles, when you said Wendy was straining her hair, what? I don't. Is that what you just said? Straightening. 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 So yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? It was nice to see. uh, uh, Well, I guess our our other halves were quite enjoying spending some time with us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Although I, I don't think I sat next to my missus all night. Actually, to be honest, you know, in the in the in the uh, in the uh, the purposes of of mixing and. yeah, we, we, we did kind of gravitate into two uh, distinct groups, though, didn't we, quite early on? Um, and then later on, we, we did we did mix. And I, I took the bullet for the lads and went and uh, went and sat did. with the ladies, yeah, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. And then basically, for the rest of the evening, didn't say anything. And of course, one of the, I mean, there were several topics of conversation. Uh, Lee, one of them was uh, your, your, your daughters wanting to... Um, uh, bake a gluten-free cake for their mum, and you—you you were pretty stressed about that, weren't you? I was, I was, Tony. It was, um, it was a very informative night, actually. I thought, but um, we better not go into too much detail <laughs> on some of the subjects. But uh, quite a few learnings. Yeah, this, this, there was learnings, yes. Um, and the beauty of it was today that the girls had actually taken it upon themselves to cook to bake the uh, the gluten-free cake, and it came out really well. So. Without me being there, they magically all came together and it's just got to be frosted, is it? Or iced or whatever it is in the morning. So happy days. All's well that ends well. Oh, yes. Talking about cakes, um, I I don't know about you, uh, Pete, you're you're quite a cosmopolitan guy that... You know, do you you get a panettone for Christmas? You get one in, maybe treat yourself to one from... Aldi, maybe, or Sainsbury's? Oh, what, from Tony? I didn't realise you'd given me anything. Oh, pa- Panatone. Oh, Panatone. Panatone. Uh, no, we don't do that sort of nonsense. Uh, we just it's go, Italian, isn't it? Well, I mean, it, it's the sort of corporate nonsense, isn't it, that, that big companies send to their employees. <laughs> yeah. And waste, I mean, environmentally unfriendly, all these massive, like, huge tins. What do you do That's afterwards? That's exactly what I was just going to say. I mean, uh, in this day and age of recycling yeah, and, you know... Opulence. Is it necessary? I mean, is it necessary? Yeah. When we think, you, you know, could always reuse a, a beautiful tin for oh, cakes in right. the future, couldn't you? Miles, <laughs> tell us where the Duchess's Panatoni is from this year. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's a Dolce and Gabbana. <laughs> it's in a beautifully beautifully crafted tin ornate and exquisite paintworks uh, around the outside I haven't eaten it obviously Uh, but it it just looks divine and we should say that's in addition to the to the usual Uh, to the usual Fortnum and Mason sorry sorry. there are people not less than a mile away from it where we are Miles living on the bread line (laughs) Covid has hit people hard and you are lording it up with some Dolce and Cabana Panatoni <laughs> gift. 
I mean, it's, I it's bet it smells lovely as well. <laughs> Disgraceful. Actually, having said that, he's got one of favourite of mine. So. Yeah, <laughs> there we are. If you leave me a slice, I'll let you off. There we are. We'll make you a, a, a dolce about a bread and butter pudding after <laughs> Christmas, maybe. And uh, well, there we are. Uh, it, it was a very a lovely night, and uh, got to say thanks to uh, the staff at. Uh, we were at the Malago on North Street, and uh, it was it, food was great. It Top was notch. great, great service, and. Uh, Lovely to see uh, a, a restaurant, a bar restaurant with uh, with people in there in the current circumstances, and uh, and doing well. So uh, thanks to everybody that looked after us last night. Well, last pod we were talking about Stade Français, uh, the yeah. trip to Paris that Pete was was he wasn't he was he wasn't he no he wasn't. Um, and then in the end nobody was. Um, let me come to you, Pete. Then. Uh, Late in uh, late in the afternoon, wasn't it, or mid afternoon Friday? Yeah. We get the news that uh, the French teams had pulled out of all yeah. the European games on Saturday and Sunday. Your thoughts? Well, it was it was a kind of inevitable in the end, wasn't it? You could see the way it was going. I mean, even the week before, we discussed. You know, it was hard to see how Bristol fans could really go anyway, even before those like harder restrictions came in, and then you know, Monsieur Macron. Uh, you know, did the deal did, did the deal for us. Um, the only positive really that came out of it was that I actually changed my flights to the weekend of when England are playing France in the uh, in the Six Nations in Paris. So I've, I've 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 kind of got a little glimmer of something to look forward to. Although now I wonder whether even that's going to go ahead. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a very disappointing weekend really for rugby and it was odd because you know suddenly they all got postponed and mm. then some were played and then you know rightly so a few Scarlet's fans were like well hang on you know now you've found you know you, you can postpone these games what about when you know you didn't postpone ours you, you gave us 28 nil loss so there it, it's I mean already I'd say that the, the competition has now been compromised uh, yeah. and it was a bit compromised anyway to be honest wasn't mm. it with the, yeah. with the format and the number of teams that are in it and I do wonder whether really whoever wins it this year, it's going to be a bit of a Pyrrhic victory, isn't it? Yeah. What's Pyrrhic? I was going to say, better look that up. What's what that? does Pyrrhic mean? Hollow like victory. Hollow oh, oh, victory. Okay. Hollow victory. Why didn't you say hollow? Because <laughs> Pyrrhic sounds a bit better. Uh, Actually, I, to be honest, someone will pick me up on that because I'm, I'm pretty certain it's not quite <laughs> uh, <laughs> the right meaning. So if there are any, any mean, Greek literature fans out there, yeah, picking yeah. himself up, please let us know. <laughs> yeah, And uh, Miles... Uh, as Pete said, there the the news that these games are uh, are going to they're postponed, they're not cancelled. Um, going to be going to be a bit tough then for the uh, trying to fit these in in the old fixture list. Uh, I, I'll absolutely. I mean, I mean, I don't know many free weekends. I know each of the Premiership teams has got a, a bye week, hasn't it? Really, because of the odd number of teams. But that's certainly not going to be the same of all the teams in Just Europe, one, is it? Yeah. Just one. And the French have got to... You know, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And is you know, I mean, our next European fixture, what, mid-January or something to that effect? And I don't see that going ahead presently with the way COVID is going. So the fact that we've got to squeeze in one fixture against Sturd and they've got another two coming up in January... I think Pete's absolutely right. The tournament, I think, from this weekend has been compromised. And I can't remember what happened last time, really, this happened. Um, but I can't see the Nets going ahead. And then it really it makes a farce of the whole thing. And really, maybe we should just 
consider the domestic league and possibly scrap scrap all the European competition. Trouble is, there's a lot of Wonga involved right. in a lot of yeah. television rights, yeah. not, not just yeah. in this country, but across across Europe and, and probably even further afield. You know, I think they can just about manage to fit in one load of postponed games, mm. but if there's a second one, then I really do struggle to see where where they're gonna where they're gonna do that. And you know, are, are, are they uh, is Premiership Rugby gonna say all right? Then the Premiership Rugby Cup becomes midweek, and then we'll try yeah. and fit them in, but. It's it's all looking a real. I mean, where were the, all the points allocated this weekend? Was were all postponed or yes, were some? No, 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 some none were given a twenty-eight nil. Well, some win, were. were they? If, if teams were un, unable to field a team, yeah, I think there were still some twenty-eight nil walkovers. But because the French government stopped, yeah. all these French teams could have fielded a team. Yeah, it was the French government that ordered them not to. Um, we, we, and, and with ECPR um, then kind of agreeing so yeah there was the news that it was postponed and as you say Scarlet's fans you know are looking at that maybe thinking well hang on a minute yeah. and also they didn't actually have anybody who tested positive for Covid did they no. and their only their only kind of crime was that they were trying to fulfil a fixture trapped, in South Africa yeah. and then had to go and isolate so I mean that was you could argue that was a bit harsh because they didn't it wasn't as if they had uh, failed any kind of testing protocols and, and no. so forth I mm. mean they so I, I think the whole thing I, boys I have actually just looked up Pyrrhic victory I was a slightly wrong it's a, a victory that is not worth winning because so much is lost to achieve it so I think maybe it'd be a Pyrrhic victory for Premiership Cup as a whole, a Champions Cup as a whole, if they do see it through, just to get a result, because uh, uh, there will be, it's going to be a sham. Anyway, we just should. Can we just say to the listen? Why are you starting to talk like Tony Blair with your hands, man? Things can only get better. But Lee, do you think? It, it looked a strong team that we put out. I mean, is yeah. it, just just run through that team, and then we okay. can, we can talk about uh, some of the interesting uh, pointers. I think maybe for the future. Right. So I mean, it was it was a strong side, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, at fullback we had Piertown, we had Fricks and Purdy on the wings, uh, Semi and Bedlow in the centres. Obviously, Sheedy and Randall halfback combination. Fitzhardin again back at eight. Uh, front row was Jake Walmore, Harry Thacker and Sinks. And then we had Joe Joyce and Chris Vui Locks, uh, Stephen Luatua and Sam Jeffries at seven. So, I mean, that was that's a decent side, wasn't it? Yeah. To take yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think one um, won't necessarily go into all the, um, the, the replacements, the spare bears, but a couple that caught my eye, uh, Lloyd uh, being back. Uh, but also yeah. young Tom Sims, who's only 18 years old uh, mm. from the academy, uh, loose head prop was uh, was there on the on the bench. Yeah, well, I mean, brilliant for the young lad, isn't it? I mean, it or it would have been, you know. But um, you got to feel sorry for him really now, haven't you? I mean, yeah. he's you know he's kind of lost that on that experience of of being out there on a you know a match day basis. But um, you know, I'm sure he's going to be one this. It's going to feature in the future, you would have thought. Well, if you know, if if Pat's put the trust in him to 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 be on the yeah. bench uh, and give him that experience of a European Champions Cup game, uh, yeah, he must uh, 
certainly must be one for the future. Uh, let me come to you then, Miles. Uh, Bedlow in at 12. Uh, did, did you necessarily see that? Uh, no, but I think I was singing his praises on our little chat. I mean, we, you know, have needed a, a strong inside centre. He's a powerful runner. He's a brilliant backup kicker for Sheedy, I think. And we know that Sheedy's been targeted quite a lot. So I was actually really pleased to see him on the centre. So, you know, I'd be actually quite pleased to see him somewhere also, featuring on this weekend we have to say Piers O'Connor I mean he's not he's not had his most sparking season so far has he so no, I mean there far is, from it there, yeah. that is a, a position that, that needs to be you know yeah. talked about at least at the moment doesn't it I, absolutely I think it was interesting because the club I think the usual social media person wasn't uh, wasn't available because the team was late coming in and uh, I don't think we had any of the unavailables unless no, unless it was updated so what no. Pete I want to come to you mm. uh, that that back row uh, Luatua probably no surprise but then uh, Jeffries at seven and Fitzhardin at eight yeah yeah I mean we, we speculated on whether Hughes might get a start just because he he had been playing those Premiership Cup games, it was as if Pat might have been teeing him up for a, uh, a, another start. But obviously, he was nowhere to be seen. And, and the thing is, we've discussed this with Hughes, is if he doesn't start, he's not in the 23, is he? Yeah, because no. he doesn't do anything. So, yeah, I mean, I was a bit surprised. I thought Harding would play. I didn't think that was a surprise. But, yeah, I mean, Jeffrey's coming back in. That's interesting. Um, I think maybe to add... I don't know, maybe, I mean, the thinking was to be quite mobile yeah. and move their sort of, you know, the their pack lumps. around, their lumps around, yeah. the French uh, le lump around, le lump. Uh, or les lump, I think we should say. So, yeah, I mean, it was exciting and, uh, um, I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all academic though, isn't it really? Yes. But, I mean, I suppose it only gives us a, it gives us a little bit of a sighter for, for the next game to come. Absolutely. And I mean, no, uh, while we were talking about Nathan, I think you know we need to uh, send our congratulations as a, a podcast on the uh, birth of his daughter. Um, I think that was that was uh, last week, wasn't it? Yeah, last I think week it was, at yeah. Southmead Hospital, um, Esme Naya Lillian Hughes. So uh, you know, many congratulations from us. And uh, actually, probably rugby just at the moment is 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 the last thing on his mind. Well, but, Joyce uh, Joycey would have been. Right, wouldn't he? That's another safe meter. Another yeah. meter. Another yeah. meter. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Champions Cup, we'll have to wait and see. Um, obviously, I don't know they're going to make any decisions until, you know, knowing what the UK government's going to do around mm. lockdown, whether there's going to be any more measures in France. We already know that Welsh games after Christmas in all sports are behind closed doors in Scotland. Uh, no more than 500 people uh, in a stadium. You imagine an old firm derby, Rangers Celtic in front of 500. I mean, it just, it, it'd just be weird. Um, and I know Pat's, I think he, he, he spoke to The Guardian, didn't he, about uh, yeah. potentially if we go to, uh, you know, behind closed doors again, you know, are some of the premiership clubs actually going to um, survive? Pete, your, your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, who am I to argue against Pat? I mean, uh, no, I mean, it, it, it makes sense unless, you know, clearly, unlike football, you know, rugby clubs rely on gate receipts uh, yeah. to for part of their, their bottom line. And of course, um, it's also partially reliant on the broadcasters to decide to do the same thing as they did last year. I mean, BT Sport kind of came, I guess, came to the 
the help of a lot of the clubs by by continuing to show it and, and obviously must have paid them a bit for it but yeah I mean I think you know we don't uh, it's, I mean maybe he's being a, it's hard to say I mean we don't really know do we what goes on in clubs finances no. but it, and I guess it was more it might have been a slightly out of context quote mm. um, from him because I mean I don't see how Pat is the kind of like head of finance of uh, Premier Rugby but I guess he was just speculating on the fact that you know it's common sense to think that if you if you don't get your your, your fans in you're going to lose some revenue with all of the extras that go around it and I mean I think they quoted didn't they that the, not playing the Scarlet's game was 300 yeah. grand yeah, yeah. like lost and you can see yeah. so uh, and of course so yeah I mean it's uh, it's worrying what I don't understand is I just I can't see how games will not go ahead I just I just don't understand this whole thing about um postponing the games I mean I can understand that if no fans are allowed to go and play them behind closed doors but I don't understand you know we're, we're in a completely different situation than we were last time they all got mm. postponed because you know why why were they worried about uh you know I mean players are under severe testing protocols and they can fly in fly out um so that's why this this whole cancellation seemed very odd I mean we 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 have had it on good information haven't we that some of the premiership clubs really were close to the borderline didn't we mm. last mm. season and the thing that worries me is obviously we just said about the BT sport there stepped up and we were watching a lot of the games live on TV but obviously you know they've completely you know their schedule now is, is not even half of what it was before is it so you do worry and I know without kind of scaremongering too much about what might happen you know that, that it is a worry that there is a lot of clubs that are not far off off the breadline, and um, you know and if, if if we don't get TV sponsorship for it then you know where do we go mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the next uh, we'll get Christmas out of the way, and then we'll we'll see what what comes next. But as I think we've all learned during this pandemic, you know, to try and predict what's going to happen is a is a fool's uh, task. Really, uh, we'll, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, well, let's move on. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbe- Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, fingers crossed, we do have a game on Boxing Day uh, against Leicester Tigers. Now, before we talk about that, um, we're going to listen to the the latest episode of Pete's Premiership Previews with Michael Cooper from the Rolling Mall podcast, which is the the Leicester Tigers podcast. And uh, I've got to say, uh, it'd be interesting to see what people think and do give us your feedback. I think this may be was the best yet and certainly lots of controversial topics to cover. So let's listen to that now. So, Mike, uh, it's great to have a chance to, to chat with you, even if I am a little bit apprehensive, I've got to say. Um, but before we get into a, a bit of the meat, uh, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about um, your podcast, because it's relatively new, um, you know, how you got it off the ground and, and how it's going. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I hope the apprehension wasn't purely related to the beard which is a bit out of control at the moment. I'm the garish Tigers training top I'm wearing. But no, thanks for having me on. Um, it's been a pretty interesting few months, obviously. I picked a good season to start doing a Leicester Tigers podcast, didn't I? And 
it was set up like I think a lot of people set stuff up during the throes of being bored at lockdown, probably about six beers deep by yourself on a Saturday night. Uh, and I slid into somebody else's DMs uh, in a fairly creepy fashion. Someone who, who wrote a Leicester City, Leicester Tigers, Leicester Sport blog, who I thought had some really good insight. And I uh, said, well, if you're really into Tigers, do you fancy doing a podcast? Several years ago, when I, I blew my knee out attempting an over-elaborate sidestep, I'd set up a rugby blog myself, which was... Um, got a little bit of a following back in the day. I got to go and do some pretty cool stuff. I got to go to Toulon um, when somebody from the rugby paper dropped out. And that was when they had Gitto and Habana and everyone like that. So I had sort of my 12 months of trying to live it up as a rugby journalist before reality and having a wife and a kid sort of started to catch up. Uh, but I was keen to sort of get back into doing it. So I sent a message over and we realised there isn't a Leicester Tigers fans podcast was the first thing. So there was a clear gap in the market for it. It's a weird thing because... Whilst we have the world's, well, not the world's, probably certainly England's biggest fan base, they're all quite old-fashioned. I think they're all Top Gear magazine subscribers, <laughs> as Squidge Rugby has described them. And yeah. There's a fair few with the tartan rugs and uh, and uh, thermos flasks at games. <laughs> so th- th- there isn't, there wasn't really a lot of get-up and go set up a podcast. So, so we set this one up, and it's gone really well. We've had some really nice feedback from the fans. And, uh, yeah, we're n- not going uh, along as well as not been going on as long as you guys have uh, and we haven't had too many bumps in the road yet apart from a couple of very noticeable ones recently which I'm sure we'll get on to yeah yeah no it's good I, I said I, I um like saying to you before we, we started recording I, I I chatted to your I am um, sorry I listened to your most recent one and uh for 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 research purposes and uh yeah it's really good I mean it's you know far be it from me to be the arbiter of what's good or uh, not but yeah no really good and it's just really brilliant to see another fans podcast come out on the market because there have been quite a few and uh, I just think it's a it's a really good way of of kind of fans, you know, connecting with each other and, and stuff like that. So there's some sort of competition. There's some sort of competition that we can arrange between us all. Yeah, now, isn't there some well, sort of boat so. race we can yeah. get going? Well, on at some I was. I mean, I spoken to the the guys from Harlequins Pod, who I know you've spoken to as well. We were talking about the fact we we ought to have some sort of a union of fan podcasters, and we can have like a, a conference <laughs> every year or something like that, and little workshops discussing stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or we could even like have some sort of like fancy dinner. We could get a guild together <laughs> yeah. or something like that, you like know, it. with all sort of weird ceremony and pomp. Yeah. I'm all up for that. That'd be great. <laughs> anyway, we, we we are we are digressing a little bit here. So let's get into it. Let's I thought I'd start with the the two big elephants in the room. Let's sort them out first. So the first one, obviously, the biggest elephant in the room at the moment is the return of the Genge. Um, the rhino the, in the room. The rhino, the return of the return of baby rhino back to his uh, to his spiritual home. Home. So I thought initially I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are generally about him about him leaving um, as a as a general idea, but also specifically perhaps your idea your thoughts about that video. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, question number one, be quite blunt, gutted, absolutely gutted. He's going back, but but understand it as well. Um, I think it was quite a surprise and quite a shock for most Leicester fans because he'd been made captain and because he played with such passion and such aggression all through the year, that is just who he is. He's a fantastic player, a fantastic bloke, and I think a brilliant role model, and he's come from somewhere really uh, different. He's had a different upbringing to a lot of rugby players. Uh, I've got nothing but admiration for the guy. We all knew he was going to go back to Bristol. He's always been passionate about Bristol. I actually play or occasionally rock out for one of his old clubs, Canesham, uh, when my knee allows it, when my wife allows it. And uh, he... Um, is still so passionate about the area and people all seem to sort of know him and, you know, perhaps know the, the rough guy from when he was uh, younger. But he is 
someone who's just come on in leaps and bounds whilst he's been at Leicester. And we all thought he'd sign this contract, perhaps, an extension we might have him for another three years, and then he'd perhaps return 29, 30, going back to Bristol, getting a big payday. But I think one thing the pandemic's done as well, perhaps, is go and twist priorities, not twist, change priorities for players. For example, I, I almost live the opposite life to Alice Genji. Not only am I a crap rugby player where he's excellent, um, I, I live in Kenya with my family up in Leicester and I've got a young kid like mm. he has and we don't have any support near us. And it's been crap during lockdown, I've got to be completely honest. And that drive to Leicester, anyone who's had the misfortune of doing the Ring Road, the M5, M42, M6, M69, it, it's an absolute pig. Mm. And you can't underestimate perhaps what his partner's feeling as well when he's away a lot as well. Mm. So these things are just as important, if not more important than, you know, rugby reasons, money reasons. So it's a shock, but I think everyone respects it. And uh, we're just gutted to see him leave. He's going to be a fantastic acquisition for, for Bristol. Uh, and I think most of us know, most sensible fans know that he's going to still put 100% into every single game. And dare I say it, I think us it'd be pretty safe money to put a 10 on him getting man of the match against Bristol uh, on Boxing Day. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I, mean, uh, I think, I think um, you know, you, what you say is is right. And I think the fact that we've made quite a big thing about the fact that he's taken a pay cut and, you know, he's coming back for for, for, for sort of, for, for personal... How reasons. much of a pay cut, yeah. maybe, Pat, Pat Lamb's, well, um, you, you know, interpretation of the truth. Well, uh, exactly. But, but, but no, it, it, absolutely. And, and it is, but he, is, he isn't doing it for money. Absolutely not. No, I think that's that. I think we all agree that. I think there is is, and I think it's come out actually, hasn't it, in the press re- uh, today or yesterday that Steve Borthwick's kind of said they did talk about this, you know, they, it, it, a, a few weeks back, haven't they? So it's yeah. clearly something that was on the card. So anyway, he's you know you got over that, and then suddenly, I don't know why. The, I mean, you, I, I think I'm surprised after what you said about Leicester fans that most of them had had access to any kind of social media. But anyway, obviously. They've seen someone's seen this person, the, the the video that was on the Bristol Bears social yeah. media site, and, and obviously has caused a little bit of uproar in the uh, some of the Leicester's faithful. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. So, so when he left, we did that emergency podcast, which I think you listened yeah. to, which was yeah. sort of me trying to speak in between sobs. It was pretty salty, yeah. but we, we yeah. kind of all knew he was yeah. going to Bristol. There was a bit of uncertainty as to whether he was going to um, Saracens, but you know that's where we thought he was going and and again the reaction was gutted but you know mm. we understand and then the video came out and the the tone changed quite a lot uh, i will ask you can you think of genuinely any player that shot a effectively a promo video for his new club whilst he's still not only a player but a captain at his old club yeah uh, now no. at the end at the end of yeah. the season i absolutely can't know an interview absolutely fine but the whole choreographed thing was nauseating from my point of view. You've got Pat Lamb stands there. He doesn't move. Genge comes to him. Pat Lamb with his arms wide open, like a father welcoming Ellis back. Papa effing Lamb. Yeah. And, you know, and I have to say, it, it, it was pretty shoddy, I thought, by... <laughs> Uh, I'll be quite blunt by, I thought, Bristol's social media. I thought it was quite disrespectful. I thought it was a bit brainless of Ellis. I think he's even come out and said, I didn't realise quite how this yeah. would look and the timing's awful and that's the way it is. But, you know, uh, that kind of stuff for me can wait till the end of the season. You can do mm. an announcement. You can do a video of him about to walk in first day of training, you know, all for that. You know, he is a guy who's coming home. I completely get that. But I thought that was quite a bit off seeing your captain hugging the rival director of rugby 
when he's still the captain of your club. And I think if anyone can't see why people were peed off about that, I think they're a bit one-eyed, to be quite frank. But look, he's come out, he's apologised. I've got no no axe to grind with Ellis. Yeah. And I, th- I heard some people say, oh, well, he should be stripped of the captaincy and all this stuff. And I yeah. thought that's com- it's complete overreaction by any idiots who say that. The fact is, is that he's the kind of guy he won't settle for not giving anything less than is everything for the rest of the season. And that's what I think he'll prove a point to everyone for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, well, you know, kind of, I think I've been called salty by a few yeah. Bristol fans and that's, yeah. that's absolutely correct. And I'm going to own that saltiness, but you that's know, all, we'll that's, that's we, all we want, Mike is honesty. And, and you've been very honest about that. I, I, I've got to say that the, the thing that worried me more was, was his, was his footwear. Oh my um, God. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a kind of, at first I thought they were Crocs, but then I think, I think they were Birkenstocks. So, you know, uh, it was a little it's, bit. It's not a step up, but who's going to tell him his footwear's crap? <laughs> well, no one's anyway. telling him to his face. So anyway, it's, 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 it's done now, isn't it? The, the video's yeah, exactly. gone. I, I, I guess, you know, we, we, it's over. So let's move on. Um, oh, but then we've got another thing to talk about, haven't we? And, and it kind of links a little bit into your, uh, into Pat Lamb is obviously, I, I think mm. I read that it was the last time you lost, wasn't it? Um, that game I've got a feeling I think it was yeah I think it was the last Um, loss was at at Welford Road to you yeah so so obviously it's become known a little bit as uh as uh scrum gate or don't lie Pat don't lie Pat (laughs) don't lie Pat Uh, is my favorite uh, impression of Steve Northwick yeah and obviously yeah it was a it was a a controversial game I mean it was a great game of rugby and that's what you know Premier Rugby must have loved yeah yeah because there was loads of talking points um so I guess on the back of that I better ask you um I mean rather than sort of maybe technically talk about the whole issue with the scrum there but you know, <laughs> is it in your opinion is, is, is it is it pat the devil or is he just a hard-nosed dor who's just a bit misunderstood i i think it's almost the fact that he likes to promote himself as being this very affable lovely guy and he's clearly a brilliant coach let's not beat about the bush the rugby you were playing last year in particular was just manner from the gods it was absolutely incredible and that game was actually a great example. I think we were on top for most of the game, but I think you had four opportunities. You scored four absolute worldy tries. And, you know, as much as I like to be salty about the uh, the whole scrum situation at the end, it shouldn't have been in that situation if we had the anywhere near the level of being clinical like you guys were. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And it was just, I thought... Look, if you're going to be an arsehole, own it a bit like, you know, someone like Steve Diamond does. Yeah. You know, what you see is what you get. And I thought with Pat Lemon, I think a lot of people notice this, a lot of neutral observers as well. So look, the mask slipped a little bit and you see that there is quite a ruthless guy under there. I thought the guy who came out of it best was John Afala. I mm. thought he was amazing. He was sat there basically being told, no, you're injured. You're not going on. And the big thing was when he did, st- when he did go on, he said, you know, F this, I'm going on and I'm going to, scrum and I'm going to help you know turn the ball over and win the game for my team uh was Pat Lamb is the director of rugby and if he'd actually genuinely this is after he's threatened the ref by saying I'm holding you responsible for if he gets injured he's genuinely concerned about Ofoa being injured he's the director of rugby he should be telling John Ofoa John get back here right now otherwise you're banned for the you know whatever it might be and he was more than happy to let John Ofoa effectively go on and save his bacon for that um he lost a lot of good well I think he lost all, all his goodwill really sort of with Leicester fans we found out quite duplicitous and then there wasn't any sort of remorse about it or honesty about it and you know I think he's I've been disappointed with him this year about how he's approached what is a difficult situation I think he's got 
the, the rugby you guys have played ha- hasn't been hasn't been great, has it? Obviously, you don't need me to tell you that. But the, the, I don't like the way at the end of games he seemed to be blaming players rather than actually looking at his own game plan, which seems to be well, we're going to fling it wide no matter what. When actually it might be say, hang on, lads, let's just bring it, let's just rein it in a little bit, let's focus on on nuts and bolts first. And he hasn't seemed to be addressing that. So. Yeah, from Scrumgate, perhaps it's thrown him under the microscope from a really bitter, twisted lens that Leicester Tigers fans specialise in, and certainly I specialise in. So I'm sure a lot of your lads will think I'm being unfair, and that's that, that's fair enough. But yeah, we thought uh, we thought bad by Pat Lamb, heroic, annoyingly heroic by John Afoa. Yeah. Uh, what, what a tight head he is to have. I mean, we, we sort of see him as the uh, uh, the Kiwi Dan Cole, which yeah. from this neck of the neck of the woods we, is the highest praise you can get for a tight yeah. head. No, I mean it's it's fair comment. I mean, to be fair though, uh, you know, in in interests of, of balance, I mean, Pat Lamb mm. isn't the only hard nosed rugby uh, man that has bent no. the rules to no, uh, uh, try and get results. Uh, we're just we're just annoyed at Leicester that um, it's, we don't have the monopoly on that anymore. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> Uh, you know, you'll notice that, uh, you know, kind of when one of our lot do it, uh, I'm very quiet about it. But if when somebody else does it, you know, it's an absolute sin. Yeah, of yeah. course, you know, there's there's that. And uh, I think at the moment, the club under Steve Borthwick is sort of under a, a, a different direction, perhaps yeah. the old skullduggery as last year. But we can't pretend that our history is uh, <laughs> completely clean in that regard. But yeah, it doesn't stop something like that from stinging at the time. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. But anyway, let's get let's get on to uh, the, the the question or the matter in hand, I should say. And, and obviously, yeah. we've got a, a a really tasty uh, matchup coming on Boxing Day. I mean, a total role reversal, really, from last year. I mean, you are on fire, you know, unbeaten. I think it's fourteen games now, isn't it? Uh, or no, it's thirteen. And this could be you're going for your fourteenth win on the trot. Um, yes, we're in a I bit of. The, I- yeah, I think it might a bit be fifteen. Of bother. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, either way, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, for once, we we clearly, I would say, are are are, the, are potentially the underdogs in our in our home patch. So, I mean, what do you think? How do you think the game's going to go? So, at Ashton Gate, I think it's always a really exciting challenge. I think. Uh, Obviously, I do have a soft spot for Bristol, despite for what I've said about <laughs> Pat Lamb. I live very close to Bristol, so I've been to lots of games. I think the crowd's brilliant. You definitely get one of the best, most energetic crowds around as well and play brilliant rugby still. Still looking to play that brand of rugby, which I do admire from Pat Lamb for sticking to his guns on that, even though I think there should be points to rein it back in. I'm excited to see you guys almost back to full strength because mm. you were hit pretty horribly at the yeah. start, weren't you, by, by issues, you know, non-availability, whether that injury or Lions, you were missing Sinclair, weren't you? And then you've had Afawa missing for large chunks and Radrandra and Piatau. And, you know, those guys coming back make a huge, huge difference. I still think that there are gaps between star names, which, with all due respect, are filled by players that aren't up to that calibre, where, as I think at Leicester, we, we may have lost a couple of headline players like Tuolagi, but we seem to have brought the overall standard of the squad up to a much more even keel now. Obviously, two of those guys that do stand out are Genge and Ford, and they're, they're buggering off at the end of the season, which is gutting. But it, it's going to be a game where I think you're going to see two very different styles again, um, which is always exciting. I think that seeing us, we'll probably try and go after your scrum, although if Afoa's back, that's obviously going to be much less of a target. Uh, and particularly if you've got Sinclair there as well as you know, a duo, you're not going to get too much purchase on that side of the scrum. But I do think around the tight exchanges, I think that that's where we'll 
try and focus. I think our Maul's uh, attack's been pretty good. I think your Maul defence hasn't been uh, particularly strong this season. But then again, you guys will seek to get turnovers and get it wide as quickly as possible because I think where we're pretty good in defence is when we can just let you go through the phases, no matter how wide you put it. I think that our, our width defence is much better this year. But off turnover, when we're disorganised, I don't, still don't think there's a better team in um, in England, frankly, at taking advantage of it. So I think it's going to be super exciting. I, I really like uh, uh, Luatour. I think he's one of the best imports in the Premiership. Uh, and I think Randall is, is you know, one of the most exciting nines. I absolutely love his sidestep. It, like, it actually hurts my knees to watch him sidestep. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think that, you know, it's interesting seeing how Sheedy's going to go, because I think we will really target Sheedy. And he's looked like... Like Pierce O'Connor, actually, is another guy who, from last season, it looks at Shidi and O'Connor, I thought, those guys are absolute worldies. They need to be playing international rugby ASAP. And they've barely looked, at times, they've barely looked premiership quality this year, uh, particularly when Shidi's under pressure. Uh, and so I think we'll really go after him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he stands up. Brilliant. No, I think that's really, really, uh, really, really insightful, actually. Um, so put you on the spot, Mike. Um do you fancy giving us a prediction, score prediction? Out of superstition now, because I even when I've thought we were going to lose, I've predicted we're going to win and we haven't lost yet. So I'm going to have to predict a Leicester win. But I think that is going to be a lot closer than the position that the table suggests. And I think with your guys back, I think it'll be a cracking game as long as the weather holds out. I'm going to go for 30 points to 26 in favour of Leicester. Brilliant. Okay, we'll leave it at that. That's great. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Pete. Thanks, mate. Well, Pete, <laughs> <laughs> that was salty. It was, he <laughs> loves it. Was salty, it was salty, wasn't it? Yeah. And a uh, little bit of pepper thrown in as well. <laughs> times. In your no. eyes. Yeah, well, in the eyes, yeah. I mean, really nice guy and, and clearly, as you can tell, very knowledgeable about the game. You quite yeah. a lot, a lot about Bristol, um, almost, um, <laughs> given he lives near <laughs> as well. But, um, <laughs> no, and I said to him, you know, be 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 honest about what you think. You know, we we pride ourselves in, in being contemporaneous ourselves and, and I, I wanted to give him the opportunity to to kind of give a real, you know, a Leicester fans viewpoint. Yeah. And I think he was, you know, I think he was very well balanced, but he, you know, clearly we know it did, did hit a nerve, didn't it? I, I did have a giggle, you know, our, our Leicester, the Man United of Premiership yeah. Rugby, when their fans podcast is recorded in Kensham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he should be one of us. Yeah. He should be one of us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I also did think as well his description of the average Leicester fan yeah. was rather funny, wasn't it? Oh yeah. How, how did he describe them I, with top, top Top Gear Top Gear yeah. sort of watches and uh, usually come with a, a blanket and a flask. <laughs> Thermal flask. Yeah. Thermal flask. Yeah. I mean, this is what this is what is so is so. This is why it's so good about having some chat with other fans because you know self depreciating humour is brilliant and. Uh, and I mean, I think I, I I wanted to let him. I didn't really want to get into a debate with him about some of the things he said when we recorded it because I thought we'll probably talk about it now. 
Um, but you know, I think uh, I mean I did. I think the one thing I did point out when he when he started kind of kept on going about Pat Lamb, I was like, yeah, it's not the only hard nosed rugby man that has bent no, the rules. No. And I was kind of thinking of the hand of back that mm. came to mind if you uh, if you remember Neil Back uh, uh, d- d- being a little bit uh, dodgy with his uh, rule well, he bending. Ne- he so. nearly intimated that Leicester had the biggest fan base in the in world. I'm glad he, he backtracked on that. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think as Tony said. I mean, it was it was it was a brilliant time to chat to yeah. you know a, a, a Leicester fan who's knowledgeable and, and 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 because they've been running their podcast this season. I mean, they've they've done what we did. They're, they're riding on the on the wave of success. So I think they're getting a lot of feedback from Leicester fans. And you know, he's a it was a good sort of spokesman for the the way Leicester are feeling. But it is it is hilarious, really. Mm. That I mean, he did admit still didn't, bitter, he, aren't he did admit well he did admit that he uh, you know that they that um. They they didn't like the fact that they had the monopoly on miserable and uh, dirty like players and uh, Pat Lamb was encroaching on their territory <laughs> being this kind of uh, uh, dodgy sort of uh, so yeah no fair play to Mike for for doing that and um, he was really informative and I know it does help because he lives just outside of Bristol isn't he Kingsham <laughs> but I mean I what I found is quite interesting he said he actually pointed out Sheedy and Piers O'Connor he, he said they barely looked like Premiership players this season mm-hmm. and. You know, he's absolutely on the board in, in, well, I think our general yeah, opinion. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's interesting, like, you know, getting the opposition's view of Bristol and Bristol players. And I thought that was really informative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Miles, we've heard Mike's view on uh, on the video, the Genge video. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Um, I suppose, try and put a neutral hat on. Your thoughts about that video? It's um, a neutral hat. It, it, it wasn't the Bristol media's team's finest hour. I don't know if that's sitting on the fence or not. That's probably coming from a lesser perspective, isn't it? I mean, um, Mike was right. <laughs> it, was like, it was a bit odd. Pat Leo was like a loving father, accepting <laughs> his long-lost son. The fact that... I wouldn't get. I wouldn't let a son back into my household wearing Birkenstocks. To be perfectly honest, with you. and I know we've had a joke, but can you imagine if he wore those down with you, would mate? What what well, what reception would he get? He wouldn't have even worn them in Noel West, would he? And everyone noticed him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've got to say, from my perspective as well, you, I think you've always got to try and put yourself in the the opposition's uh, viewpoint. You know, if Luatua had gone to um, I don't know. Let's say Worcester Warriors and their Steve Diamond giving him a hug yeah. because he's, you know, walks in. I don't think I would have been very happy. No. And it would have put doubts in my mind about how committed mm. he is. Agreed. I mean, I'm a West Ham fan, lifelong West Ham fan. I can remember uh, Ince um, decided he was going to leave West Ham halfway through his last season. There's a picture of him, I think it was in the sun, wearing a Man United shirt. Mm. And the fans never ever forgave him so uh, I think it will be interesting Genge on uh, on Boxing Day if he plays I think you'll have the Bristol fans cheering for him maybe, <laughs> maybe a few hisses it might be quite pa- like a pantomime yeah. yeah I mean you've all you've all given a fair point of view a neutral point of view but but from a Bristol point of view, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I loved it because following on from everything we've just discussed and all the banter with Leicester, for me, I was absolutely creasing up. And I just thought that was brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And all of you were all right. I mean, if, if the boot would have been on the other foot, I'd have been absolutely jarred right off with it. Mm. 
but come on, it was yeah. funny as hell, wouldn't and it? I, I mean, I, I agree with you, Lee, to be honest, and I, I actually recorded a little segment for, for the Rolling Moor podcast after we did our bit, and I and obviously I got asked about what I thought, and I and I said, oh, you know, come on, it. I looked at it as a Christmas present for the the ten thousand season ticket holders. We've had a miserable autumn, yeah. and uh, I said, you know, it wasn't anything to do with you boys at Leicester. It was all about the Bristol fans, and uh, you know, how can you but how can you begrudge us having a little pre Christmas present like that? And uh, exactly, yeah. So I mean, it's uh, I agree. I mean, it's it was. I don't know. We'll we'll never know, will we? But it was funny. I mean, I'd like I loved the way that Mike described it as big. Big Papa Pat, like <laughs> bringing him in, and like you know, it's just like Genge comes to Pat, and then at the end, but even at the end, they still did the little thumbs up thing at the end. Yeah. It was, it was, it was ridden, it was dripping with cliche. It yeah. was, uh, I mean, you've got to appreciate the artistry that went into that, and uh, you know, I'd say what it was almost as cringy as your Borthwick accent. When he was saying, don't I, I thought he was a Johnny. Don't I, All right, well, let's, let's, let's think about the game. Um, we, we heard the, the 15 that were due to play in Paris. Uh, let me come to you, Miles. Um, so the, uh, the, the forwards that were picked were Walmer, Thacker, Sinclair, Joyce, Vui, Luatoa, Jeffries and Harding. Um, do you see any changes there for Leicester or do you think that's the, the pack that we will see? I think there might be a few changes. That was probably a slightly reserved pack uh, going to Paris based on having to travel, keeping some of the boys back and maybe injuries. Um, I think no doubt Sinclair and Saka are going to be up front. Um, but the other prop, I've penciled in Superman Afoa. Uh, he's obviously going to be just penciled him in. Penciled him. Well, I penned yeah. him in. It's played. Penned him in. Is there? Oh right. For, for a sack of sink on the front row. Oh, so, well, so you've got two tight heads. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Let's back try. Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, can we have a loose head? Yeah, you? we could have Jan. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think I think yeah, we need some big lads. Yeah. Um, and so um, Walmore's not really going to cut the mustard, I think, sadly, against Leicester. Um, he might be on the bench, but Jan Thomas, we need some big units, Thacker and Sinclair. I don't see why we would change Joycey and Vui, personally, but and, and Luatua. It's interesting you say um, that. But I think we need a bit more grunt um, and filthiness on the other flank. And I've put in um, our man, our Welshman, Thomas. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I... I think Fitzharding chooses himself. Lee, you you saying it interesting that uh, in the uh, as locks were you? Yeah, I I was just I mean, I was just surmising that maybe Big Dave might come back in, and then I thought um, Joycey might still play, but then I think if Joycey comes in at, at five, Vui plays then at six, and then Luatua comes in at seven, or or. Eight or eight, so that was the only thing. Mm. I mean, I don't want, don't want to disagree, Mars. We won't know until until the squad's announced. But I just wondered if maybe they tinkered it that way. I think the the interesting thing about the props, the front row, is that I think Leicester have been bringing Dan Cole on yeah. in the second half, yeah, starting with Joe Hayes, is it, and mm. some tight head. So I wonder whether yeah, you know, Sinclair will start. And I think we'll keep we'll be keeping a foa 
kind of you know on on Price. ice as mm. it were mm. well literally on ice I imagine with him but um, on ice to to kind of negate when Dan Cole comes on because um, so, so I think that will you know that that's probably what we'll do with that one so yeah yeah and Pete let me come to you then I mean the backs for Paris would Randall Sheedy Purdy Bedlow Ranrandra Fricker and Piotau mm. you see much of a change there maybe inside centre do you think Bedlow's going to keep that yeah. sort I mean, it's a, it clearly has become our issue, hasn't it, centres? And and it was almost as if, you know, Pat's like got a kind of couple of dice with like pictures of them on and rolls it every now and again, see what comes up. And I, I personally, I just, I quite like the idea of Bedlow and Semi together. Uh, yeah. I just like the physical, I think they've got, Bedlow's got physicality, yeah, which I think yeah. we're going to need. And they, they got some young, keen centres um, and I, you know, I, I just think Bedlow. We we know he, he's a, he's a funny guy. Bedlow. He's he's a quiet lad, isn't he? He's yeah. he's a, and, and he he's he's not very demonstrative on the pitch. But I just think he he goes about his business. And I think right back to the start of when we we started this whole podcast project, we talked about the fact we liked the cut of his jib, didn't we? Yeah. And I think it's about time that jib started to fly a little bit, a bit um, in agree. the wind there. So I'm I'm going to go with a, a Bedlow semi combination. And I, I think because I mean. Leicester could have Moroni and Kelly, couldn't they? Centers, and I think Bedlow and, and Semi. I think that could be a good matchup. We've got, we've got, we've got to be physical in that. Oh, yeah. you know, both in attack and defence yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I think it would be interesting. Um, it's a shame Tom Sims didn't get his chance. Uh, uh, I, can't, I can't see us playing an eighteen-year-old uh, loose head. So you would imagine. Jan or Warmore yeah. um, or Lahif are going to be in there. You'd think Atwood comes back. Uh, you would think he'd probably start. Mm-hmm. Um, Uren, Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, Morahan, you would think, is going to be uh, back there as well. You know, would he potentially take the slot that Fricker had? Yeah, I mean, it would be unfair on Toby because, I mean, he's he's been playing fantastic. But, you know... It, you've got a quality player like Luke Morahan and as well as Fricker has played I mean Morahan is he gives us what he gives us attacking wise he also gives us mm-hmm. defensively yeah. and we don't have that with Toby at the moment But my, my only issue with that is that I just think our worry our, our problem this season has been tapering off at the end of games hasn't it and, and yeah. you know having a weaker bench emptying and, and Leicester are you know, have actually come back a lot in the second half. So I'm wondering whether we may keep a couple of guns on the bench for the second half. And obviously we've mentioned Afoa as one, but I just wonder whether Morahan might be kept for the second half uh, to kind of negate any kind of Leicester resurgence and, and maybe Fricker, you know, deserves his start and, and will be given carte blanche to just bloom and go for it for... But I see, I mean, that's a, a valid point, but I think Fricker gives you more strength yeah. off the bench because Moran, we've got to keep, we've got to stay in the game and I think Moran yeah. defensively will keep defensively, us in the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. but then Fricker, the way he's been playing, what a player to bring I mean, if, on in the yeah. last 20 minutes. I mean, if Fricker's marking Harry Potter, I mean, you know, it's, it's doubly yeah. difficult for him to defend, isn't it? When he yeah. puts his invisibility cloak on as well. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they've got that huge winger oh, on God, the other yeah. side. Yeah, Landolo. Yeah, uh, and you know we we said Fricker maybe needs to work on his yeah. defensive side of the game. You know you wouldn't fancy him putting maybe him up mm. against him. Um, and uh, Pete, how do you see the tactics for this? Do you think we're going to 
just play our plan A and throw it wide? Or, or do you think we might see a bit of a return to almost like the tactics we saw for that first game in Saracens where everyone was trying to get the first ever 50-22? There was yeah. a lot more kicking. Do you think, yeah. think it would be more of a possession game this time around? Well, it's, it's, I think this is, this is an interesting question because clearly... That's why I asked it. Yeah, and, and, and we, our system hasn't worked very well. We've been banging away at the same drum and it's not been working. Now, the one thing I gleaned from talking to Rolling Mall was that they also have a, a rush defence, which was slightly, slightly worrying because that's been our nemesis. And, of course, we've discussed the fact that, you know, you, you want to kind of keep the rush defence thinking, you want to push them back a little bit. And given the fact that we actually played quite well in that first half against Saracens, we, we controlled the game quite well. And we know that Leicester have also got quite a big kicking game. I just... I just wonder whether we, you know, we we will show a little bit more pragmatism. I mean, the, my biggest worry, to be honest, is actually is is their kicking game. I think when George Ford launches those massive spiral bombs, I'm, you know, that is a worry. But if he doesn't get it right, mm. then we have got the firepower to exploit it. I, I think we we're also coming in quite like undercooked, aren't we? Really? I mean, yeah. this wasn't a bye week. This is almost like a holiday we've had for three weeks. And they are. We know they're going to be. They're, they're going to be match sharp, and they're fit, and they're gritty, and they're going to go for it. I, I think we're going to have to. We're going to have to somehow take the sting out of their, their game a little bit to start. Which, we, by definition, is kind of just trying to keep get some territory and keep them plugged plug back. So I don't know. It's an interesting one. I think this is. This is one of the most interesting games of the season. I think. Oh, absolutely. Tactically. Absolutely, Miles. Come, come, coming to you. Um... I mean, Peach just said there they they had two weeks, two championship uh, Champions Cup games that they they've won. Obviously, they rotated the squad a little bit for yeah, the for the yeah. second one. Uh, we we've had three weeks without a game. Are we likely to see a little bit of ring rustiness in the Bristol team, or are we going to be you know completely fired up, rested, and uh, raring to go? Uh, I, I, I don't think we will be. I think we'll be we're almost hibernating, haven't we, the last couple of weeks. I think we'd all agree that uh, the best practice is, is game practice. And we've had two weeks off that now. We've had stop-start games, preparing to go, preparing not, preparing against teams tactics that we know we're going to face and now you could argue we've had it would have been a struggle wouldn't it get back from Paris switch our minds to the best team currently in the league so there is we've had a tiny benefit from that haven't we we can analyse Leicester's tactics we know how they played and we could have started playing for them their game plan uh, on Monday morning so that's a bonus but yeah, just training on the training ground is, I don't think, is really going to cut the mustard. This could be, well, I think, not could be, it's the toughest blooming game of the season. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Um, hopefully, a big crowd down there. Leicester are going to come hard. And yeah, Pete's right. A forward <laughs> is, you know, currently playing one of the sort of best number 10s in the league. His kicking and his accuracy has been phenomenal. And as Mike on the podcast suggested, he doesn't. It's easy for everyone to see they're going to rush Sheedy. They know that we know that, and we need to negate the fact that he's going to be rushed and panic pass it. So it'd be interesting to see how our centres play. So I've got a theory based on everything we've just discussed, and I mean we all know about the rush defence. Leicester have been brilliant all season, but they've also been great at defending 
out wide as well, haven't they? Taking the, taking the whole team out wide. This is why I think Semi and Bedlow through the centre could be massive on on Boxing Day. Because I think if we play the game quickly, and I do, I do think we've got to be pragmatic as well. We've got to mix it up. But I think if we get the, the ball early and we get Semi and Bedlow to start punching all through the centre, we're negating the, the issue of back going out wide because that's playing their game, isn't it? It's playing yeah. the game into their hands. And we've done that so many times this season already. We'll, every team's going to play in a rush defence against yeah. us now, even if they didn't previously. But I see us punching holes through the middle this time. I think we'll see as it, long yeah. as we get the quick ball. I think we'll see a lot of Harry Randall running sideways, yes. and then potentially even missing out Sheedy mm-hmm. and, and getting that ball to Semi exactly. on the crash mm. early or Bedlow on the. Or, I mean, what we what was good about Semi last season was him taking the ball into contact and then managing to offload to someone on his shoulder. So I'm, you know, I'm almost thinking can almost see Harry getting it. Running sideways and and spinning it flat to yeah. semi direct, yeah, and that is gonna and you know ten nine stretch times. the defense right. And if he, if all it's got to do is one slight missed tackle and he's, he's through, gone. and then I wonder whether you know we will play this idea that Sheedy, you know, there's some interchanging between where Sheedy stood and where's where who's re- first receiver. Um, I think we have got to do something. Mm. Um, because we haven't done it effective so far. So I think we, we've got, a, that's got to be a weapon. I mean, Semi has got to be a weapon that we're going to use. And in this, this game, we know what's coming. We, yeah. we yeah. know what Tigers are going to do because they've done it so effectively all season. Whereas we've played some games this season, we, we, it was kind of, we are a bit unsure, weren't we, about how teams would kind of play against us. But we know what's coming. And I think that centre combination is massive. And actually, the other thing to, to think about is that Obviously, one of their other tactics is banging the ball high. Yeah. But, you know, on song, how many teams in the league are as good as someone like Charles Piertau... Or Luke Morahan. Morahan, mm. Semi, in, with a, you know, if the chase isn't quite good enough and the mm. kick's a little bit... I mean, you haven't... Suddenly, you can say, well, mm. that's is there any other team that's got that combination that we could exploit? And they haven't really had that, and... You know, Leicester perhaps have got away with it a few times. And that's all yeah. about getting the opposition to play your game, yeah. isn't it? Uh, I, I think as well, for me, um, territory is going to be important. Mm. That yeah. we, we, we need to be playing in their half as much as possible. Um, and I do wonder as well, with Bedlow's big boot, that uh, that we might actually see, uh, you know, a bit more big kicking, trying yeah. to... Mm-hmm. But also, yeah. we need to remember that one of the... We need to try and keep it away from Freddie Stewart as well when we if we if we yeah. do kick it. Yeah. I mean he is proven beyond absolute doubt he is the best fullback in terms of under the high ball in the league, isn't he? He is, but I think he's also one that likes to run it back as well. Yeah. So if you can, you know, maybe get him a little bit isolated, who knows? Yeah. I mean it's gonna be it's hmm. gonna be absolutely fascinating. You've got Bristol Bears who finished top last season that have underperformed all this term. And then you've got Leicester that were down and out a couple of years ago. Uh, and they haven't lost a game, have they, this season? No. In fact, I think... I think. Did you talk about it on the, the interview? It, it, we were the last team to beat them. Oh, yeah, I, I pulled that stat out of the bag, didn't you, I, Tony? We were the did. last beaten team. I think they're 13 unbeaten, including Europe, aren't they? Yeah, so this is where we put our money where our mouth is. I'm going to predictions. Bristol Bears, 
Uh, one off the bottom against Leicester unbeaten, top of the table. Miles, your prediction for Boxing Day? I, I wrote this down earlier on. I think it's going to be tight. And I've gone for a win for Bristol, 28 to 27. <laughs> so basically, we're going to be we're going to be biting our nails on the way through it. <laughs> yeah. Stress out boxing day. Tighter than a shark's bottom of fifty fathoms. <laughs> Pete, your thoughts? So just processing that tone. Uh, well, I'm a total joker because I I went on the Rolling Mall pod and said we were going to lose 2015. And just before we recorded tonight, I went on BBC Radio Leicester's Tigers rugby show and said we were going to win 2015. So I I I I'm going to, I, after I, I'm, I'm buoyed up with our chat. So it's going to be a 35. Draw, <laughs> yeah. No, no. I'll tell you what. I'm buoyed up with this chat tonight, and I think having just dissected their game plan like <laughs> surgically like that I'm thinking it's I'm going to go from me 2015 to the Bears 2015 to the Bears isn't that called laying all bets by the way yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. on the roulette it's, in the, it's like I've, the, won, I've won the Grand National every corner <laughs> I put someone on yeah. every horse <laughs> betting each way on a two way horse yeah. two, two horse race Lee your thoughts I also think this one's going to be tighter than it. I would call it a nun's chuff, but obviously that's a Bristol Family shame. Yeah. Oh, sorry, everyone. Um, I I got a feeling we are going to be biting our nails. I think this this, as Miles has said, will be our toughest game so far this season. But I do I, I do feel confident, and I think if we if we can implement the game plan we we want to, twenty six twenty three to Bristol. Twenty six twenty three. Well, I, I I think this is going to be a high scorer. So I'm going to go Leicester 32, Bristol 35. I, I, I'm a big believer in fate and the fact that um, they, they've just remained unbeaten mm. up to this game. We have got this mm. little bit of, you know, rivalry and saltiness mm. now. And we were the last team to beat them. And the whole Ellis Genge thing as well. I just think we are due a performance. Big crowd, Boxing Day. And I think I think it's all going to come off. But I think there'll be lots of tries. Do you think there'll be a red card? I'm just wondering whether Genji might overdo it. He, he's going to overcompensate to, to kind of prove to the Leicester fans. I just, I just think that well, there'll definitely be a, a yellow or two. Well, I, I think you might have conspiracy theories if he gets a red card to say he did it deliberately so he didn't have well, to go true. Uh, depends what his team Well, it depends what he's I mean, for, though, isn't it? Yeah. Harry Wells, maybe, because he was... Yeah, he I mean, they've got some physical... I mean, one of the things we might be doing is is one of our plans might be just gently winding those boys up mm. because, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've got a little bit more experience in the pack than they have, despite their, their youthful exuberance. We, we should be, be open and honest as well, though. I mean, we were the last team to beat them, but if we were all being right up front about it, Leicester were the better team that day. We we were clinical, we won the game, yeah. but Leicester were by far the better team on that day. So, you know, this I do agree, Tone. I think this could be this could be our our day. Yeah, Boxing Day could be ours. Mm. Could be ours. Okay, well let's uh, let's start to round up then. Uh, a few results that did uh, uh, or matches that did get played. Um, the under-18s went to Bath and won 27 points to 12, so congratulations to them. Um, podcast should be out uh, first thing Thursday morning, so if you are at a loose end 
on Thursday, the 23rd of December, the under-18s are playing again at Shaftesbury Park. This time, Bristol under-18s are entertaining Gloucester under-18s, and I believe that's free if you want to go and watch some rugby. Um, The women's team, uh, narrow defeat at Loughborough. They lost 17-14. And uh, another couple of bits of news just to get some thoughts on. Um, Rugby paper on uh, the weekend, uh, Lee, uh, speculated that um, Scottish hooker George Turner was on Pat's shopping list. Your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, he's a great player. Um, I think he, he would be a good addition. But where and who's going to go to, to replace him? Because, um, I mean, we've we've talked about, obviously, there's we've had a lot of injuries at Hooker, haven't we? Byrne's been out for a, a period of time and I think his contract may be coming to an end. Um, and obviously, Kerr was just brought in, wasn't he? Um, temporary so I imagine if we do get Turner in then then obviously we, we are going to see a couple of departures personally I'd be gutted if Byrne left because obviously the Brynosaurus you know like I keep saying he, he earned me a lot of money back in the day but um, but <laughs> it does yeah. feel like back in the day though doesn't it That's it does now yeah. yeah it does now but yeah I mean it would be a great addition if we get him but um, you know it would be also sad to see uh, Byrne Kerr if they do mm-hmm. leave and, and Miles, your thoughts potentially if, if, if Turner did come, you could have uh, uh, Genge, Turner, and Sinclair um, are a starting front row that disappears for uh, most of the spring for the Six Nations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would that be a concern to you that we bring in a, another international player that, uh, uh, and, and then we'd be forced into a whole new front row uh, for, for, for those games from what, February through to? through to March yeah I mean I don't know if it's just paper talk but I think it doesn't seem a very wise decision in my opinion um, despite them being fantastic front three when they're here yeah to, to find that your Scots and internationals off and two England off for a whole period of the year uh, and the changes that would need during that time doesn't it, it, it doesn't really sit well with me and I, I don't think this is one's a real goer to be perfectly honest with you do you think that he's been we're doing a bit of an injustice to... I mean, we've, we're not talking about... You know, we're still talking about quality players no, yeah, yeah, that yeah. are stepping up. We're not yeah. talking about kind of drafting in the eight, you know the under-18s or on a 23 squad. I mean, the guys that, if they are back up, they've still got a lot of experience. So, I mean, you know, Chiefs have done it for years, haven't they? they you know, they're second team after players we didn't even mm-hmm. know about before they started playing mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we knew after when they'd beaten us so I, I think like we will lose them for a period of time we know we're going to lose them for a period of time if we do sign Turner but ultimately when they are here if they win us a lot of games then the, the players that do step up at least their, their platform is they're already in a lofty position where they don't have to you're not backs against the wall are they? Mm. Uh, Pete you want to comment? Well, I actually think it's not a bad shout and uh, to be contemporaneous because I think the one thing that we've had that's slightly irritating is, is a bit of inconsistency at two. We've got Hacker. Uh, hacker. <laughs> hacker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for listeners, I'm just doing a Hacker <laughs> at the moment. I mean, but he's injury prone, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. he's injury prone. Burn, out you know, and, and in many ways, Byrne was a kind of bonus, really. We weren't sure what we were going to get. Kerr, great signing 
on the interim, but also a little bit inconsistent. And then we've got Will Capon, who is, who I think has yeah. got massive potential, and is, uh, you know, is one is is learning his trade, and, and on his day is brilliant. So I'm thinking, what you, you know, what we need is two. You need a consistent performer at two. And okay, we may miss him for half the season, but if again, a bit like we said about Genge playing up in the front row for the first half of the season, if you can get the team into a position right. of strength, disappear, and you've got a decent. Now I see Capon as our as our long term jack. Mm-hmm. Like what's the guy at um, Exeter that always plays when Cowan Dickey doesn't play? Um, Yandel. Yeah, like, I yeah, see Capon yeah. as the, as the, as a kind of as our long term hooker, good scrummager. Good, good hands, intelligent, and I think Pat's looking at it and thinking potentially Pat's he's not. But you know, those there are certain positions where you've got to get quality and consistent quality, and I'm not sure we've had consistent quality at hooker uh, over even last season. So I'm, I wouldn't be. I, I'm to coin a phrase. I don't think that rumor is a million miles away from being true. <laughs> well, I, I think the thing is, I mean, we know Pat likes. We, we've talked about it. He likes number twos. He likes number nines, uh, uh, hookers, and uh, scrum halves. You filthy-minded people. <laughs> We all like a number two. Let's face it, as rugby fans. <laughs> Any other bigger numbers? He likes? <laughs> um, but are we going to have five uh, full-time hookers? No, no, we're not. Squad we're with a five million but we're not. pound no. salary cap. But, so no. one, if not two, so, are going to go. Mm. I agree with Pete. I think that that Capon will Capon is because he's going to be our cheaper one as well. He's, he's yeah. value for money, yeah. Capon. I mean, he's he's obviously still doing his studies, isn't he? Um, so we know that so I mean we all, so he's at the moment he's on a decent you know mm-hmm. he's on good salary for his age but obviously nowhere near some of the higher earners and I, and I absolutely think that that guy when he's come on the pitch he, he, he's massively intelligent rugby player and I think that he is the one that is going to be taking Bristol in the future and also where is he from? Bristol That's he's not from Woodywood though is he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, uh, everything. Yeah. No. That that will be interesting to see. Let's face it, with the you know the the salary cap and contract starting to run out, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, who stays and who goes. Uh, one one final thing, just to pick up on our dear friends Bath from down the road, who are still yet to have won a game. I thought they thought they got five points on <laughs> at the weekend, and then that got taken off them as well. Um, I don't know if you've seen the news today, Pete. Yeah. As a, of course, an ex. Bath employee. Um, no, I wasn't employed. I was employed by Wiltshire County <laughs> that Council was good. to deliver oh, to yeah. deliver an educational program yeah. that just happened to be in that location. Did, did you wear a shirt with a Bath badge on for promotion? In order, in order to encourage young kids to come and engage in the educational scheme. Yes, yeah. I um, used every tool and I he, could. And he smiled just like he was doing it. Just like any. Professional hard-nosed rugby man will use any tool to get his result. <laughs> okay, um, your thoughts then on Bruce Craig, who took over? I think uh, bought into Bath, has been the chairman, uh, been there for a decade, promised big things, and uh, things haven't happened. And now Lord Voldemort himself, Edward Griffiths, mm. the former CEO of the shamed Saracens era, 
it's, it's like, coming it feels in like as a, the yeah. new chair. It feels like a Saracens franchise. <laughs> it's like, this is their new way, isn't it? The new Saracens model is they're going to franchise themselves around <laughs> the, the premiership to get out, you know. It's like it's like Amazon not paying tax, you know, in because in, in, uh, in, they, they've got their headquarters in Ireland. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, well, I mean, t- t- speaking seriously, I think having seen a little bit of social media chat and, and to be perfectly honest, yeah. Bath Rugby has needed a new stadium for 30 years and they have been thwarted at every turn. And I think it's a, it, it, you know, being completely independent and objective of this, I think it's, if they can get a stay, that's a good thing for, for their club. Nobody wants, you know, ultimately, um, yeah, that's what they're that's what they're right now. It does seem that things are moving quite fast. I mean, the guy comes in for a consultancy role and suddenly turns up as chairman. Next thing you know, oh, this high court judge has kind of turned over some sort of covenant that nobody seems to appear mm-hmm. to have uh, mm-hmm. noticed for the last 30 years, and uh, suddenly things seem the to work. And you know, yeah. what's his name from Munster is coming in. They Great got you know, case. suddenly, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that. Things will rapidly change at Bath, uh, and they've got an, a, they've got a pressure-free season, as we've discussed. Doesn't matter if they come bottom; mm. they've got time to replan. And, and next season as well. And next yeah, season, yeah. and then I assume that Bruce Craig will still allow them to use Farley Hungerford. You know, they've got a good training ground. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, I think it's fascinating. I mean, it's it's bad news for Bristol and, fans. Isn't it? Well, it's, it's not. It's not because it's, as much as we take the main yeah. Michael Kane. Mm-hmm. I think we'd all agree, yeah. actually, Bristol, Bath, Gloucester, there's a massive Southwest yeah. and Chiefs, massive uh, Southwest rivalry, and we, we all want that because, yeah, you sure. know, as, as much as we love beating them, ultimately, we want a competition. We want a bit of competition. We want to beat them, you know, we want, it, we want closer games, maybe yeah, like yeah. 21 points or something yeah. like that, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so years to the future. Yeah, well, that that would be very interesting. I I'd share your thoughts, Pete. I think I think there's going to be quite a transformation there in the next uh, twelve to eighteen months. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, that's it for the show. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the Leicester game and a preview of our visit to Sandy Park on New Year's Day. Finally, on behalf of all of us, including the Christmas tree, I'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas to all our listeners across the world. We hope you have a safe and happy holiday with your loved ones. Until next time, goodbye, stay lucky, and come on, Briz. Briz.